0: welcome to the latest episode of betfair's weighed in podcast this is your weekly go-to podcast i was wondering actually is this are we the most listened to weekly racing podcast is that a fair title kev do you think
1: that's it there's absolutely no doubt for this.
0: lovely no question all right. that was oh, cool. there are, are the others? Others,
1: oh, others have been for many years vanessa i'll have you know
0: brilliant. I don't know why I haven't led with that tagline before. And our viewers and listeners are obviously only going up since we welcomed on Brendan Duke. How are you, Brendan?
2: Well, I am very well, uh, Vanessa. Now, Niles in uh, Fraser, he would say that popularity is the hallmark of mediocrity, but he's an awful snob. I believe in the wisdom of crowds and the wisdom of our listeners.
0: (laughs) Beautifully put. I think I might be with him, though. Mediocrity, yeah. You no. Know. I, <laughs> j- I joke, I joke. I tell you what I did find very amusing today, boys, uh, this weekend, boys, is obviously I've been doing this show with Brendan for a good while now, like good few months, I'd say. And you know, I've known of Brendan Duke for a long time before that. And um, this weekend I get a notification on Twitter, Brendan Duke now follows you. So it's taken <laughs> no. it's taken a little while for us to get there. But does this mean assume- we're friends now, Brendan?
2: I just assumed I was following you, Vanessa. I don't know. That was just an oversight on my part, a lot of my mind. I mean, this second race meetings in the current being abandoned in July. How can a man think straight with what's going on?
0: Absolutely. Let's get stuck into the Curragh, guys, because that is where we will start the racing recap of the weekend. Um, not necessarily a vintage weekend of racing but a few smart performances to talk about and we will kick off with of course the Irish Oaks the classic of the weekend where we got to see Save the Last Dance who got up in the dying strides to beat Blue Stocking you hit a low of 1.06 was it and what was the high TC that saved the last dance hit?
3: A thousand.
0: A thousand I mean honestly this performance like I don't know whether I was impressed by it or disappointed. TC, as far as you're concerned, how do you read the race looking back? Is she a slow old boat or is she just slow at learning? Yeah, but
3: I, was, I went back and had a look. I mean, obviously she took a while to get going at Chester when she won by 20 odd lengths there. And the in run, I'm surprised to see the in-running high there was actually 3.2 and she went off at 8 to 11. So, she has that kind of run style where she needs to she warms to her task, but yeah, it was it an was extraordinary performance, wasn't it? It was one of those ones where you literally did think she was going to drop out to 6th or 7th, and then the overdrive kicked in. A um, couple of stories, I think, really, news points I've really seen picked up anywhere. elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, I
3: could be wrong, because I don't tend to read as much and watch as much as I do. Um, obviously, the fact I counted, like I said, I'm useless at this, I said in the WhatsApp group, I counted Ryan striking the Philly eight times from about two out to the line um, which would obviously over here have been resulted in a 14 to 16 day ban I don't even remember James McDonald got 14 days for going two over on Arturias. Um not that out of criticism Ryan uh, because obviously you can ride you know to the country's rules but it just highlights how what a ridiculous situation we're in over here because if that was replicated over here and the eight strikes is accurate, then you know we'd be talking everyone's talking about a brilliant ride, and it being a brilliant ride, he, he, he we well, got two weeks for. Him. and Asher in France, Tony, he
1: would have got the guillotine, but we're in Ireland now, the limit's nine, and he rode a beautiful race to stay within the limit. it, it, it,
3: was, <laughs> it was it was it was eight, wasn't it? may I mean, like as I I'd look,
1: I, yeah, the limit's nine now. I, I didn't count, I think but it the, was, the limits I nine, think it was nine at the moment could be one of um they they revised the penalty structure there recently so that if um basically for to make the penalties a bit harsher, nothing like they have in the UK, but basically you need you need to go, you need to hit
3: 10 to start getting punished. Yeah. So um can, can it, just it, it, to... it just illustrated kind of like the difference, you know, how, what a fast call situation is in over here because obviously everyone was talking the ride up. Uh I'm not yeah. necessarily in that camp that it was a brilliant ride. Uh we'll come on to I let uh I'll let Brendan wax lyrical about Cobden in a moment. But the yeah. other one was was there much talk about the ride that Warm Heart got? Because obviously, Shamie Heffernan was in the news with Adelaide River and Warm Heart's been ridden very prominently. And I know she was drawn eight of eight. But was there much talk about, you know, a bit of a lacklustre ride that the second favourite got Warm Heart? Because she never got into it and it wasn't a massive deal of urgency.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't hear anything, to be honest. No, I haven't
0: heard any ripples about that i'm afraid uh tc the one thing i did just want to ask you about the winner herself i was quite taken with ryan's comments post-race obviously we know he's not one sort of wax lyrical unless he feels it's warranted and i'm not saying he wax lyrical but there was a couple of lines in there where you just got the impression that he feels that there's more talent in this filly than she's so far shown yeah. you obviously speak to him on a weekly basis obviously i know you weren't spoken to him since the ride but is that the feel you would have got from him
3: yeah i mean like I mean, confidence they were just like ridiculously confident going wow. reps after what she did at chester uh, so they were like i said on racing any better on thursday i think they were pretty devastated by that i do get the impression that they think she's a lot lot better than she is showing uh, than she is showing and maybe the maybe the step up to the ledger Know, for which she shortened after that, um, you know, could well be her destination, and I suspect it will be. Rather than they might go there via the Yorkshire Oaks, but I suspect they might just go straight to Doncaster and hope the ground is on on the slow side there. But yeah, there was a before we move on. There is another when we talk about the leisure. There is another performance I thought was particularly noteworthy. I thought it was Chess Piece at Hamilton on Friday night, uh, third in the Queen's Bars, and obviously Hamilton on the Friday night. A lot of people wouldn't have been watching, but. Uh, he beat some good horses there and the manner of the win down in trip, um, I thought was very impressive. The sports book are top price 20s for the ledger. I'm cons- I'll am i have another look at the race in, uh, after this, but I'm considering backing Chesapeake's at 20 for the ledger. And it's interesting that the last traded price on the exchange is 21 as well for Chesapeake. So have a look at that. Um, but like I said, a lot of people might have missed that performance at Hamilton.
0: All right, interesting. And in regards to the ledger, Brendan, is this where is the ledger where you'd expect, say, the last dance to go in terms of her big autumn target? Obviously the Yorkshire Oaks being discussed. She's now nine to two from ten to one for the St. Ledger and nine to two for the Yorkshire Oaks. Um, any other people speaking about the Ark being a target for her? What do you see her future as?
2: Well, she could do them all because it's Aiden we're dealing with here, and he just loves running his horses. And she's a really tough, tough mare, she seems to thrive on racing. Um, I I would say, I mean, the Yorkshire oaks, the ground is likely to be better, but I mean, who knows? Who it could be abandoned the way things are at the moment. So she could get her ground there. She's more likely to get it in the ledger. She looks made for that. I mean, just bottomless stamina and such a great head carriage. She 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 loves the game. And then if she was to go and win that, he might pop her in the arc. I mean, you'd say the chances of getting really deep ground at the arc probably you, you, you probably have about a 40 percent chance of, of getting that and if she went out and made it a really stiff test at the trip we know she can make the running from her when she broke her maiden in leopard's town Mate, i actually think she's probably too slow even to win an arc on, on really deep ground and just a just a it was a thrilling race i really enjoyed it just a a shout out to the connections of blue stocking i mean they, they, they must be kicking cats around the place at this stage. I mean, she could have won a Newbury disadvantaged by track position. She got messed around in the run in the Ribblesdale. I know you, you can't keep making excuses for horses, but I thought she travelled like the best horse in that race on Saturday. And I think they will get a group one with her.
0: Oh, absolutely. I was just about to throw it to Kev with the line of Blue stocking, which Brendan has summed up, but just ultimately, she's been so unlucky this season. Um, and then she gets nabbed in that sort of style in a classic. I mean, your heart does go out to her. And Fair play to Beckett, very sort of magnanimous in defeat. But like Brendan said, you must be getting the plane home thinking, how did that happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I thought she ran huge now. Um, they didn't go over quick here, um, despite the the visual impression, you know, clear leader, etc. But the, like the finishing speed was like 107% of that. And she was held up, held up off the pace, um, uh, more so than any of the other main protagonists. And, um, I know, I think, I think it's, thing is Ruby Walsh would, would, would often be heard to say it that any, any time you go from behind the rival, pass them out and then get repassed by that rival again, you're going to be very annoyed with yourself. Uh, and that's what happened with Blue Stocking. Like she, she, made up her ground very easily. She went by, saved the last dance, like she was going to beat her 10 lengths. and um, but saved the last dance, came back and beat her. Um, that it's not her criticism as such because I, when you watch the race and you put yourself in in Colin's um brain, you know, it would have been completely illogical to think, oh, I better wait a bit longer here <laughs> because it looked like your one was going to drop out the back of the telly. Yeah. Um he, he just got undone by one that stayed particularly well and um and that powered home. You know, the, the one that made the running end ended up finishing third. Um, it'll be a fascinating rematch if they did meet over the same trip again. I suspect it won't happen. Like that, I'd say Blue Stocking would have no issue coming back to 10 if they wanted, Um, but they'll more than likely stick to a mile and a half Phillies targets where I saved the last dance you know could end up in something like the ledger. Um she, you know, you watch her and you say, God, she she really does surely want even further. Um if it was just a normal filly you were talking about, you'd be you'd be reaching for cheap pieces, I'd say, to see if you could sharpen her up over the trip in the in the early stages in particular. Um, but with her, I suspect they might just leave the headgear off and go up and trip. Um, there's a few very interesting races for her there over a mile six besides the same ledger. And um, and that looks to be the way to go. But she she was very tough, really exciting race. And um, yeah, that that team is taking a fair bit of stopping at the minute.
0: It really is. Uh, we'll move on to another one of their battalion, this time dropping down to the two-year-olds. I better give a mention to Henry Longfellow, who won the Curra in the first race on the Saturday, is now 14s from 33s for Classics next year, the Derby and the 2000 Guineas, um, but beating Kev's Racing Only Better, Certainty and Mythology. Jesus, <laughs> my heart was breaking, Kev. Uh, did did we just bump into a really good one?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd say there's a very little question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> He was he was very good now. You'd be impressed with him. Um, by Debowy, first runner out of Minding, who, guys. Well, I personally have forgotten just how good Minding was. You know, I knew she was a really good Philly, obviously, but you look back in the race record, like in Jesus Christ, she was on Philly. Um How many Group Ones?
0: It always shocks me how uh, many Group Ones she. My Glare
1: Studs, My Glare Stud Stakes, Philly's Mile, One Thousand Guineas, The Oaks, <laughs> The Pretty Polly, um, yeah. the nas the Nassau. And then beat the boys in the QE too. Um, as a, like, that was all as, as a two or three year old. It's pretty Extraordinary, mad. <laughs>
0: extraordinary. <laughs> um,
1: and yeah, and she's thrown a right one here. Um, very good. Like he he was he was plenty kind of forward now, like he took a good enough grip, no cover, um, but traveled great, picked up well, hands and heels, um, ultimately, like won quite easily. Um, beat a horse with loads of experience that's held in high regard. Um, Yeah, like it it was a performance that said, right, you're you're probably a group one horse um, in in fairness to him. So, um, yeah, you would be excited about him and be interesting to see where they go. They have um, they seem to have a particularly good bunch of two year olds knocking around. So um, it'll be interesting to see like, because, you know, you'd be be thinking national stakes clearly after this. um, But they they have uh, the small matter of um, Lord, where's his name gone? City Um, City of Troy. City of Troy, there's a small matter of him amongst a few others there. So um, <laughs> I'd imagine they'll will be shooting a couple of them um, over to the UK and possibly to France to try and keep them apart. But um, you know the, this this post it's not quite the post Galileo era, but um, we're seeing so many other sires coming through there in Ballydoyle that we wouldn't we wouldn't have seen there as much variety over the years. And um, yeah, it, it, it's been fascinating to watch now. And they've been waiting for a real good Jibawi to come in the gates there. And um, the wait might be it. over. This this mind could be it. it. To yeah.
0: One. yeah. Yeah. Um, hell of a cross, right? Um, Brendan, I feel like you probably want to say a word on Henry Longfellow, do you? I feel like that's right I- up your street.
2: Oh, yeah, well, just a, a, a paddock observation. He's a bit bigger than your average Dubawi. He's not huge, but that's the, the, the nature of Dubois. Kevin mentioned he was keen in the race. He was keen to post. And the other slight caveat with him is he wouldn't have the smoothest action in the world. And minding, as well as being a brilliant and outrageous talent, uh, was a ground versatile sort, but he was probably best with a bit of ease in the ground. So that might just be something to be aware of if he, if on faster ground with them. Well, I think Kevin okay. pulled it up right Yeah, just she she fast. he
1: he definitely lifts the knee a little bit more than she did. Mm. She just had a smid a smidge of knee action, whereas he's he definitely has a rounder action, which I'd say is a bit more is a bit more jabawi coming out and coming out mm. in them, but um yeah, and I'd be he, he wouldn't mind the knees, I'd say, but you know, yeah,
3: I wouldn't be upset just, about listen, it on better ground than anyway. I. Just two observations for me very quickly. I watched that race, and I know you were you were keen on it in the paddock, weren't you? Master of the hunting third. I came around that race thinking the third might be the best long-term prospect. I thought he shaped really, really Ooh. well in third, and the He's other good-looking horse. Anyway, I can tell you that. With a and the other one, and the other aspect is when you're backing anti-post uh, with the O'Brien lot, it, it just really hit home because obviously after the Coventry River Tiber, 2,000 guineas <laughs> story comes out, and this comes out, um, how many other horses? Equally as well bred as he got to churn out after this, and I only say you just got to be a bit careful about the pecking order because you know he, he could keep on rolling these out. I know there were fillies, but on Sunday in the in the fillies maiden, she had two newcomers in there. One was Justify out of Clemmy, and the other one that was a second string was Galileo out of Tepping. Now, how many <laughs> other horses has he got to roll out like this? I mean, he could have an exceptional batch of two year olds, couldn't he? And I mean, just just to throw it
1: out, actually, it was highlighted to me over the weekend, and I went for a dig, and it's 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 really interesting. If you look at two-year-old racing only in Ireland this season, in terms of wins, I would say winners, individual winners, Aidan has had 17 in Ireland, and the next best is, is Donica with five. Um, like it, wow. it, he's been, he's been. I know, like he he always is you know, the leading trainer of two-year-olds in Ireland. But um, at this stage of the season, for him to be smashing it up that much is quite stark. And I'd say it is, you look at the bigger picture and I'd say that's a, a reflection of the, the post-Galileo Galileo era as well. And, you know, the influx of No Name Ever probably is a big factor as well in terms of a sharper type of horse in there. But um, that, that's pretty stark now, you know, 17 and all the way back to five to, to the second most prolific trainer of two-year-olds. That's, uh, that's something.
0: That's incredible, yeah. Um, TC, let's keep on the Aidan O'Brien fanboy page, unfortunately, just for a, a fraction longer because we should mention Emily Dickinson, who obviously won the Curra Cup over the one mile six on soft ground. She was being touted as a pretty highly cla- high-class stayer, well, all season really by the team. She's now six to one from eight for the Goodwood Cup. My question to you is, is she a group one stayer or is she just a... Substitute for Kiprios until he returns. Uh
3: possibly both. I think the key, just very quickly, because we've got okay other things to think about. I think she's probably a group one stayer in deep ground. Now she her record <laughs> says she's ground versatile, but I think she comes into her own on deep ground. And you know, a free length beat a free-length defeat of Ross Carberry um was, was pretty impressive stuff, and she has got goodwood form on fast ground as well. So in the like, well, it's not unlikely because the, the forecast, the long range forecast for the next two weeks or so is pretty bad. Um so yeah, I mean I think the key to her in group one company may be soft ground. Yeah, it's like ground. the
1: Ross Carberry beat her last year, short head giving her three pounds on good ground, but um soft ground, I think she she just she's just different gear. I'd love to see her in a pre-decadron. Um, I suppose it depends what's happening with Kiprias if he gets back or not, but God, she'd be some site in a, in a pre de Caloran now on soft ground, two and a half miles at Longchamp. Um, she'd be a, she'd be a fun ride in that, and she'd stay all day.
0: Okay, let's switch pace and talk about sprinters. UK sprinters in Ireland, this is becoming just considerably more fun if you live here in the UK watching this pan out. Obviously, we saw Red Strike take the Scurry handicap and Art Power going again in the Sapphire Stakes, a fourth win at the Current and a fifth win over on Irish so- um soil. Red Strike's now 14s for the Stewards Cup and Art Power has been cut to eight to one for the Nunthorpe. But Kev, like, where are your sprinters? What's going on here? I find this intriguing. I know this is a yeah, but- new phenomenon, but I do find it interesting.
1: No, like, and look, I've been kind of hammering it for years and years about the record yeah. of English trained horses and these um, premier handicaps, premier sprint handicaps in Ireland. They, and there was only two of them here, you know, um, reverse forecast for Scuppered now, but one of them went in one at least. Um, strike red, fair play to them. Like, would I be interested in him for the Stewards Cup? No, because look, history is littered with these examples of just this, English sprinters coming over, winning Irish yeah. uh, premier handicaps and going back home and getting humbled back in the rate in the likes of the Stewart's Cup and the Wokingham and things like that because they're just different gear. Um, so I wouldn't be getting excited on the anti-post front that way. But fair play to Richard for coming over. Um, he has won plenty of Premier Sprint handicaps in Ireland over the years. He's tuned into it and he's benefited again and our power like geez, i don't know what they do to him on the boat on the way over but jesus whatever <laughs> whatever it is like because it's not like the cura is like a, you know a, some, some a track that should be a specialist track for anyone like it's just a fair fair straightforward sprint track but yeah um it's probably a tale of the opposition or uh, maybe something else i don't know but geez, he looks a different he looks a different class um in in, in a race like this um he you know the ground soft is definitely a big help to him but like he's kicked horses rated right 108 108 110 out of the way by four lengths plus that's a long long way in, in a 5 four long sprint so mm. um fair play to him he's he's like he's really deadly um when you know and know always come up short in group 1s etc but yeah. um geez, it's a tough horse to beat in this type of race
0: Incredible. Oh, on
2: that though. Sorry, sorry, Vanessa. So, if you were the, the the race manager there, Kevin, would you just say sack off the Nunthorpe and we'll go Sapphire Stakes into Flying Five? We we'll just go for another Curra Double because he just does seem to be a few pounds better horse at the Curra. So, forget about the Nunthorpe.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Look, would make all it would make all the sense in the world, wouldn't it? But um, he has the entries, so you know that's that's what that's what I do. But um, you know, yeah. the, the 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 you know. With the connections, etc., I'm sure that they love having runners and British group ones too, so we'll see what they do.
0: It's so hardy too. Quick turnaround, takes racing, mm. goes on the boat, happy days. And Brendan, I like this. So I, I envisage this racing over here in just a circle. So the Brits go to Ireland and steal their sprints. The mm. Irish go to France and take a load of substandard group racing. And then the French will come over to Ireland. And what will they do, Brendan? They'll win the Irish Champion states. Oh,
2: I, I, nice, nice, to get the reference. In. Well, I hope Jean Claude is on the same page as you, or the yes. same livre, the same livre, if you will.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right. So let's leave the Curra behind, Ireland behind. Let's talk. Uh, let's switch over to England, guys. Obviously, Newbury centre of the focus. We saw Relief Rally win the Super Sprint. Now seven to one from tens for the Nun thought, but it looks as though the louder is most likely going to be the race for her. And there was so much confidence behind her TC in the market and and just in general in regards to the Super Sprint.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the lead up to everyone was saying it's you know big price shocks etc. But yeah, as we all knew, if she ran to her form of the Queen Mary. You know, she was going to take a lot of stopping. She was 15 to 8 in a place on Thursday afternoon, you know, smashed into around about even money, wasn't it? And, you know, she she won, as her ascot form suggested, she should. At at one point, you're thinking it's going to be the dreaded, you know, two groups scenario, and, you know, she wasn't going to get there, but she was dominant at the line, the step up to six. Shouldn't be a problem on run style or breeding. Yeah, I can fully see why they'll take a chance in group one company.
0: And TC, let's stick with you just to give a quick mention to Sweet William, who was another winner at Newbury. Um, he's obviously a tricky customer. We spoke about this on the Racing Only Better. He was one of your selections for the weekend and he's now 10 to 1 from 16s for the Ebor. And um, The owner sounding like she doesn't necessarily want to go there. Do you expect her to tip up? Do you expect him, sorry, Sweet William, to tip up in the e despite those comments from Philippa Cooper?
3: Well, I think the handicapper is going to take a very dim view of that because he absolutely gagged up from a, a well handicapped horse in second by free length. So I imagine, I think the handicapper might smack it by about ten pounds for that, which really? will bring him up to a mark of ninety-eight. Um, so might not get in, but might need to uh, might need to win again. But yeah, um, you know, gelded half brother to Hurricane Lane, um, dams was just, you know related to Stayers. I mean, that horse can really kick on from, from handicap company. But I know Brendan's got a, a a sneaky view of what he would do if he owned the horse and not Philippa.
2: Yes, well, <laughs> there, Philippa... doesn't dig on a big field handicap, so she's not going to like this but as uh, Tony said I I thought he'd get 8 or 10 pounds so that's not going to get him into the Ebor. he needs to be low hundreds to get into the Ebor, but it would definitely get him into the Cesarowicz and he would still look a well handicapped horse to my eye off that uh, extra 10 pounds so I would put him away for the Cesarowicz but um, I don't own the beast
0: but you don't own him and Philippa Cooper does and oh what a place to be in in life where you can announce that you don't like big field handicaps so you a well handicapped horse when quarter of a million is up for grabs like what a pleasure what a what a place to get to in life um let's move on uh brendan will stick with you because i'm just going to say two words for you here and you can run for your life ready yeah born famous ah
2: well i'm gonna come back at you with two other words harry cobden or perhaps
3: three <laughs> Harry Houdini Cobton.
2: I mean, where do you start? I, there's, been, there's
3: been a Twitter request for you to uh in your Irish Lilt to call him the boy Cobden.
2: Yeah. Oh, the Boy
3: Cobton, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean he I mean he
2: still is effectively a boy. He's only 24. I mean, it's just just an outrageous talent. I mean, he's been I, I don't really, I don't watch summer jumping, so I feel quite lucky actually. It must have been piss and rain in the curve because I was indoors and the race <laughs> happened to be on. So, so I'm just watching it and my eye is always drawn to Cobton. Uh, so this thing jumps off, isn't facing the bridle, taking a step to the left at all the fences. And one of the things, like so, I I like I, I think he's the best out there personally, and has been for some time. But one of the reasons why I compare him to Ruby Watch is his saddle position. That's the obvious one, but also how good he is at realizing how fast horses could go at a particular time in the race so we just decided this is as fast as she can go I'm going to just let her pop the fences he was changing his hands on her occasionally but it didn't seem to be making any difference but this this is what we're going to do we're just going to go as fast as we can and then something must have happened coming to the fifth last he must have got a bit of encouragement from her he got he had had that much previously but he must because he asked her up at the fifth last and from then on I mean, it's just virtuoso stuff. He has to navigate traffic while at the same time firing her at the last four fences, does all of that, gets over the last, only picks up the stick in the last 100 yards. So you have this situation where a horse has never travelled in a race. He hits it three times and gets it up to win half a length. I mean, again, just just virtuoso stuff. And I suppose the interesting thing from Cobden's point of view, or well, well, well from the National Racing Fans' point of view is that he was riding her at all because our man on the spot for some summer jumping, the barber of Trouble at Mill, said to me about a month ago that Cobden, he thinks because he's taking this outside ride, is interested in the jockey's time. Now, I didn't think Nichols had let him do this because obviously. There's more danger that uh, he, he could get a fall and get injured but of course how would he ever get a fall with the way he presents horses offensive I and mean, he's just he's incredibly good at, at doing that so nichols is obviously happy to let him off and barry was saying before the show that they're hoping to get him to 40 winners by the persian war meeting so that they can have a go so this is this is what we like when else so we like a developing narrative so yeah you yeah you, you, you have the boy bone kicking on setting a scorching pace you have the defending champion will be up there as well. But you could have a, a, a three way tilt uh, for the jockey title. And again, it's just very encouraging in general for Harry Cobden fans because he's such a, like, when he started off, he was, he was obviously a prodigious talent. But he'd start off and he'd ride a big winner and he'd say to him, Well, you must be delighted with that, Harry, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, big pot, nice percentage. You say, Yeah, yeah, I'm delighted. I'm going to buy, buy 10 head of cattle with that. Okay, what, what are we doing here? I mean, the guy could be one of the greatest National Hump jockeys ever and he wants to be a ranch hand. But anyway, whatever. Clearly now he has decided that he's got to focus on what it is his calling. And while it, I'm not going to watch summer jump and I have to draw the line somewhere, I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of his miraculous works over the winter.
3: At what stage do you drop the boy Monica? How old are they
2: have yeah. to be? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm slow to drop it. He'd always be a boy to me because I'm not getting any younger. Uh, Floyd
1: Mayweather held on to Pretty Boy for an awful long time before he, yeah. before he converted to Money Harry's Mayweather.
0: He'll be Money Compton
1: in, in a couple of years. Probably already is Money in, <laughs> but we might start calling him Money Compton in a few years. Yeah, he's uh, he's
0: 25 <laughs> in October and it's amazing to think that. Also, I do think that there's this, this games we played with... Um, Brendan Duke, bingo. Brendan Bingo, surely. The boy Cobden would be on the card, wouldn't it? Uh, developing narrative is a big yeah. one. And an Irish <laughs> champion stakes reference. And we've already had, yeah. we've already had those three. Um, let's I think move we on need to be moving got,
2: forward, Vanessa. Come
3: on, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I, I, I've wanted you to say this for ages because of the alliteration angle. Say the boy Bowie for us. The boy Bowie. <laughs>
0: I mean, his name a, uh, as, as we'll discuss
1: later, it's a little known fact that that George Bowie's actual real name is George O. Bowie. No stop. We'll come it, to that it, cliffhanger. We will. We will come. We will
0: come to that. Um, Tz, before we move away from the racing action, just one horse to throw at you, mainly for sort of betting reaction. Al Azi. The big drift was on beforehand. If you don't back drifters, you were expecting this horse to drop out your TV screen as he had done on his previous start. Not a bit of it. Obviously, he's a he's a top-class operator and this wasn't the deepest of races. But he goes and wins at Newbury in pretty decent fashion. But hell of a drift. So yeah. at what point did he become a backable price, TC? Uh,
3: I started backing him when he hit 11-4 to 4 on Saturday morning. And... um just about two minutes before the off I looked again and he was trading at 5.6 to back 5.7 to lay so I I had to go in again I'd left some orders up at 4.5 as well so and I put in some in running lays but yeah it was like for that horse to be trading at 9 to 2 in that field I mean this is a horse that traded 101 when it just got beaten by pole driver in the group 1 coronation uh, cup a couple of years ago Um, it was mad I mean Obviously, we, we ridiculed a four to six price, but every horse has its price. And when that kicked on drifting and drifting, I mean, it, it's, it's exactly the, you know, some, some just say, you know, that, that horse is far too big for me, which I find absolutely stark but ridiculous. You have to work on the basis that, you know, the game's straight and the horse is there because he's, he's able to do his job. And like I said, if you if didn't back that horse when it drifted that kind of price, you, you know, it's because it was too big a price. He's, I just find absolutely ridiculous. And that, it, you know, it's, it's a theme of mine. I, if my horse drifts, I'll just keep on backing it because you have to believe they're there to do a job. Um, but it, it was, what was quite telling is in the last two minutes, that horse actually crashed a point. Uh, on Betfair, and quite often because it, it went off around about 4.53 um, Betfair SP, so it came down to point very, very late. And that's often the most telling part. Uh, if Don't if you remember when Hurricane Lane went for a massive walk at, uh, at Newmarket in May, drifted out, you know, was originally put in at even money, drifted to 3 to 1. In the last minute or so, it crashed a point um, on Betfair and went off at 2 to 1. So. That gave me some confidence the horse was going to run a lot better than the, than the striking drift suggested. So, oh, basically, I think you just got to keep faith because if that horse was seven to two when we did racing only better on Thursday, we'd have all tipped it. Um, I can guarantee yeah. you that. And just one more thing about market raising, uh, fair play yeah. to Dan talking about drifts and the horse's shortening, fair play to Dan because he put up Born Famous uh, when that horse was 10s on Thursday and obviously got smashed into freeze. And it's a good job that horse was ground versatile because, um, like I said, I mean, they put 24 mil. It's summer jumping. They had 18 mil of rain. They still put 24 more on during the week, um, and obviously it ended up soft on the day. I I, I I really struggled to get my head around uh, this watering policy in the UK and why people aren't up in arms about it and why it isn't really kind of like highlighted in the press because you know summer jumping and a lot of horses come out you know and that was that rain was forecast all week so i just find it bizarre yeah. but uh, anyway let end on a positive note well done barber for born famous at market raising
2: yes and just very, very briefly on that people should remember like you hear it said oh four to six uh, out to seven to two and you think well that's just an incredible but just remember the four to six is just an odds compiler's opinion now i'm not here to slag odds compilers. God knows I did that job and made plenty of ricks in my time. But it is just their opinion and they do get things wrong. So when the lads were talking about it on the show, they said, well, how can a horse already is £4 clear in the rate? But how can a horse who was beating 25 lengths last time out be odds off? So it, it was put in too short a price. That's something people should should bear in mind, as as, as Tommy said, when you're deciding what price or should be. Don't worry about what the first price is, because that is price has never been subject to market forces. Although he was yeah, that
3: uh, it was that price in the anti-post market. Funny enough, but
2: yeah. But that, again, that's just so someone's opinion. I mean, you know, I I mean, I suppose there is some degree of anti-post betting, but it's 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 very light these days, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah and I think that? you probably
1: you probably have to with regard to the big drifters and that like you probably have I know it's not the most easiest thing to model as such but like you have to wait it for what connections you're dealing with too um like there's a big difference in, in a in a violent drifter in a group race for top connections that are you know are not 65 um around Sligo um and like I think it, it's it's you know in this case as the lads have said like the horse was just put in way too short um the market started to correct and because of people's, I suppose, cynicism around drifters, there's probably a snowball effect as well. Mm. And it just keeps going. Um, and, like, this was a pretty um, extreme example. Like, But um, yeah. it, it would be one of the poster boys for for drifters can win because, like, there was probably no negative message with the horse. It was just put in too short, market reacted. And then um, the wider market kind of overreacted to the reaction, if you know what, to the correction, I should say. So what, a that, what a um, game. This what a game. What a game
0: again yeah. uh let's move on to news and views a little bit short on sort of news topics this week but courtesy of TC he has dug out a few talking points um we will we'll start off with training numbers the racing post uh, was on their front page wasn't it declining training numbers here in the uk in the last 10 years we have 100 just over 100 less trainers than we did 10 years ago this is flat and jumps it's a 17% drop off and i guess Kev, those numbers are kind of alarming, but is it a case of just the economic climate has changed hugely over the last few years, specifically, obviously, with COVID, or do we need to look at this as a bigger issue with um, how horse racing is viewed in the modern world? Um,
1: Look, I think it probably reflects wider society and the wider economy. Um, like I think smaller independent operators are struggling in pretty much every walk of life. Um, costs of all sorts are going up, and um, businesses that are larger that benefit from economies of scale are better positioned to survive. And it is a survival thing in many cases. Um, and look, racing has changed a lot in the last. You know, you're, you're this isn't a short term thing. Like long term thing. Like there would have been a lot of um hobby trainers for a long time, and that's probably diminishing quite a lot. And um, is it healthy? No. But is it something that you should be trying to artificially stimulate in the other direction? I don't know if you're going to have a free for all system, which is what we have compared to, you know, a Hong Kong or a Japan, where, you know, traders are restricted to the number of horses they can have in training at any one time. If you're going to have a free for all, market forces will you know rightly or wrongly uh, fairly or unfairly they would they will start to lean on people and uh, and that's what we're starting to see Um, and have in fairness it's probably quite quite a long-term trend in terms of the reduction of individuals that are doing the job
0: yeah it's interesting you mentioned the hobby trainer angle there and the way the world's gone you know Back in the day, lots of farmers, et cetera, would have had maybe a permit license, Brendan. And Mm. I just don't think in this modern world, you have to be very rich to take a permit license out and train essentially as your hobby I know nobody who could justifiably do that and well, well, yes it doesn't know anyone <laughs> 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 myself Sorry. myself Sorry. I do not include in that comment because I will take a permit license out in due course and train a few pointers so just bear that in mind um, but when I know when I'm looking at the chart of decline. 52 percent less permit holders in the last 10 years and that will drop again to near nothing but obviously that's a very small number brendan and the bigger issue is the obviously the the bigger number but what do you think it's a bigger worry for racing as a whole and the sport or do you think it's more like the sort of issues that kevin's touched upon there the way society's trade changing and those much smaller trainers with 15 or less runners in a year let's say just sort of hanging up their cap.
2: Yeah I'm always interested in this as we've discussed before I'm not great with finance etc but I remember when we had a town hall meeting in Paddy Power once this guy who was one of the top guys came in to talk and he was obsessed with two things scale and growth and scale, scale is scale, we just we just have to be bigger than every everyone else, and uh, that gives an advantage. Bigger is beautiful. That that makes sense to a degree, and then I'm thinking it, it, it is worrying from a competition point of view because you could get a situation like in Ireland where you're dependent on Winnie Mullins to run his horses against one another because he has all the best horses, and that can't be great for a sport. But then on the flip side, you get a situation where Aiden has been dominating Irish racing for Uh, for a long time but it seems like a rising tide lifts all boats because the likes of jessica harrington and jerry lines and now joseph o'brien step up a level because they know they have to be at a higher level to compete with them so it it could go one of either way and as we know predicting the future is a very difficult business um but uh, my hunch is that it's not healthy but as kevin said i'm not sure what you can do about it
0: TC, are you worried
3: no, not particularly. No,
0: <laughs> no concerns. Love it.
3: No, I, but what I would say is, I mean, jockeys and trainers are going to start paying me to slag them on these podcasts because when I said that Neil Cullen was should be right, should be appearing in True Grit on the screen. I mean, he, his career it's been has been taken flying off.
0: ever since. <laughs> uh,
3: and I slagged George Scott off, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean he's just sh- recently, so if any trainers worry about uh, or anything like that, or train a jockey about losing <laughs> rides, just drop me a line and I'll slate you on here, and uh, nice. your career will just go, be stratospheric.
1: What, what, so what, what, Varian- a per- what a perfect scenario for you, TC. I will slate for money. That's yeah. just yeah, a dream yeah. job. <laughs> dream what, job.
2: Is, is Varian going to have the King George winner? So you get no. the five vector.
3: No. Uh, I tell you what. Uh, he might have the Murray and Chondon winner in Baradar. I think it's his. But yeah, but that's been well punted this morning. It was a bit annoying. We will
0: discuss that in due course, everyone. Uh, but let's move on. Let's move on. Um, now, this is one of the stories that TC has dug out. Uh, Qatar Racing, scaling down their UK operation to race their horses more internationally. TC found this quote. Sorry, TC, I'm going to read it out. But where did you find this article? It, it was wasn't, on was it July
3: direct- the 2nd in racing post bloodstock that's how desperate i was um (laughs) uh, and was written by tom peacock but i thought i thought it was particularly telling because obviously because guitar racing limited they'd come in with a massive fanfare a few years ago uh and this quote from you're just about to read out from david Revers, i thought was probably worthy of a wider audience
0: yeah i mean mainly because as you've already tc said the knock-on effect but here's the quote um, we've got a lot more in Australia, America, and we're increasing the number of horses we've got in training in Japan. He says, this is David Revers. Unfortunately, British racing is going to suffer because the prize money just doesn't stack up when you're running an international operation. Now this bit is the bit I thought was interesting. We're sti- we'll still be breeding our horses here. It's where the best horses are bred and the best stallions are standing and running them through the educating and educating them. But once they've proven they've got a certain level of ability, unless they're a potential stallion or going into the broodmare ranks, the likelihood is that they'll be chasing the pounds and dollars elsewhere. It's entirely understandable. And if that's shape for and it, sorry, the last line is it's entirely understandable, and if that's Sheikh Farhad's policy, so be it. So it's obviously from that last line, you get the sense this has come from Sheikh Farhad himself. And he, he spent, we know he spends a lot of time internationally, I think mainly in America now, and he has a lot of runners out there and seems to enjoy that lifestyle out there with the American racing scene. But in terms of, as you've already brought up, TC, the sort of knock-on effect this will have on not only Asheen Murphy, but Kieran Fallon Jr. as well, and the trainers that are being supported, this seems like a definite and newsworthy shift.
3: Hmm. Well, I just like I said I, I let the others come on to the wider issues here, but I just I looked at it and you know Qatar Racing Limited is, is their main banner. they have got quite a lot of partnerships. I don't know if they're still live. Um, but you know they've only had 15 winners from 74 runners this season, which I thought was staggeringly low, but when I was chatting to somebody about this on Saturday um I, I we got it got to the point where I just, well, name me a high profile horse they've had this year. And um all we could really come up with was St. George, um, you know, who was placed in the Bahrain trophy and um, yeah. placed in the in a in a Queen's vase. And like I said, they came in with a massive fanfare, didn't they, a few years ago? Um and obviously it's just it's not a new development, is it? But it's you know, for, for someone to come out and talk so starkly about that. Um, you know, a big, high pro operation. It's kind of like, you know, it has to be a concern uh, for the industry, doesn't it?
0: Definitely, for the UK team, for sure. And, Kevin, it's not surprising. Like, this isn't new news. We know prize money is better in all the jurisdictions that David Revis has mentioned there, and we know they've always had an international racing policy with their stock. But I guess, like TC said, they came in hard and heavy on the UK scene. And... This depletion will it will be noticed in, in a, on a wider scale.
1: Yeah, look, it's been happening for for quite a while. In fairness, like they they haven't been numerically as strong as they once were. You know, they've made that trend. They made that transition from like a lot of these operations when they come in, like they go through. It's it's a it's a process. It's a cycle. They initially start off by buying um, tried horses in training. You know, they tend to make a bit of a splash early on in terms of success. And then as the years pass, they have broodmares that come through the racing system and go into the broodmare ranks. And they try to start breeding their own. And then they might get a stallion and they try to support the stallion. And, uh, you know, it's it's a cycle that that top operations go through, new operations starting from scratch, we'll say. And Qatar now, or, or Qatar Racing, are probably, you know, what, 10 plus years into that. Um, they've had a few stallions roar in line. Obviously, They got really unlucky with, it, unfortunately. um, Camaco was coming through the system now as well. Um, but look, in terms of what David has said there, like that is, I suppose the, the 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 that is the end game. That's always been the concern of what the consequence of British Racing's prize money situation is going to be. Um, because, like, and it's been my view for years in that, like, the one thing. That we have in Britain and Ireland that isn't going to change is you know as, as close to the perfect environment as you can get for, for breeding thoroughbreds and developing them in the early stages of their careers. That's not going to change, no matter how financially um in, in, in how financially disadvantaged we are compared to the 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 you know other racing jurisdictions, and especially the upcoming ones that, that have blank checkbooks. Um, but holding on to our horses is going to be a major, major challenge. Um, and the fear, long term, is that the UK and Ireland, especially the UK, um, will become feeder nations um, for the the more financially robust um, uh, jurisdictions. And like it's already happening. Like you, like I, I know, I suppose that the vast majority of the listeners wouldn't be on the scene and and have their ear close to that particular part of the game. But like in, in maidens in Ireland, like auction maidens like anything that finishes in the first five that that's owned by connections that will sell you know the phone is ringing it, straight after the race and like there's unbelievable money being paid for horses that are not just winning maidens finishing second and third and they're going they're being sold like you're, yeah. you're talking half a million for a maiden winner that might you know that might have been a thirty grand yearling. you know you can see why so many trainers in ireland would have been very well known as national hunt trainers, are now essentially converted to, to majority flat trainers. Um, you know, the likes of Noel Mead's a great example. who's had some um, lovely maiden winners lately that have been traded. Um, and this is the way the game is going. And look, from, a, from an economic point of view, the game will go on. Um, it, it'll be financially beneficial for that. That's what will keep trainers going on the flat um, and to a lesser extent, the jumps. But the racing product is what will suffer because generally, when they do get sold, they do leave. Um, they do leave the country. Some are uh, whatman racing now, who are making a big splash. Um, they're leaving the horses where they are in the main to the to so yeah. far, which is which is great. Um, but you you will you would be fearful because these like how do you fix this problem? You know, you need a couple of hundred million to appear out of fresh air to compete with Australia, America, the Middle East, and that's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. you know, traditionally. We, we we depend and lean on the prestige um, and, you know, the royal family would be the queen would have been a big factor. I know, especially Irish people might, might struggle to appreciate that. I did for a long time. But when you spend time going to Royal Ascot and you see, um, you know, the impact that the queen would have, you know, a lot of these. Middle Eastern royal families, you know, they will invest huge money and had did invest and have invested huge money into British racing. And the real attraction is access. You get a really good horse. You might, you might be up there in the royal box. You might get, be getting presented a prize by, by the Queen. And these are huge kickers to huge attractions. And um, the Queen is obviously dead now. Will that continue on? Um, Time will tell. But um, you would you would be concerned. I think it's a very wide conversation, but you would be um, pretty concerned about British racing and its place in in the international racing uh, pantheon because financially um, they they just can't compete. They just can't.
0: And there's no part of that statement of that quote that TC pulled out that you could possibly argue with. I mean, you can't. You just what can you say about it? I mean, it makes complete sense. I suppose it's just a disappointing read. Um, Let's move on. And Brendan, let's talk about Frankie Dettori. Mm. Obviously, he's on his farewell tour, supposedly set to retire after the Breeders' Cup at the end of the year, <laughs> riding well off the back of his whip or his time out for a few weeks there, but we'll bypass that. But it's more things going on off the track that has caught our attention. It was well reported that he's renting his home out in Newmarket, and, mm-hmm. um, Set for a move, I believe to nearer London. I think was the quote, and obviously downscaling. Now look, his house is huge; so you can totally understand that. But he's also sold the majority of his memorabilia, which I guess makes total sense. He's probably just got hundreds and thousands of cups and bits of silver lying around the place, and you can't look at them all all the time. But on top of that, the news came out a couple of weeks ago that he sacked his longtime agent Pete Burrell, who my you know it's well known my dad was the producer on the detori film and you know dad was always sort of expressing his you know the the relationship between detori and burrell was tight as you like essentially um and dad was always kind of not amazed by it but just yeah in awe of it i guess that he had this such close relationship with pete burrell who'd been his agent for literally decades and um yeah they were very very close so the news of that sacking is pretty alarming and especially it is, what, was it was
1: it a sacking just just to confirm Vanessa like I I read something that kind of you know said the usual mutual um mutual yeah, parting. I,
0: I think I think that is probably the word that's been banded around but he's staying with the wider agency I believe that look after so Burrell worked for I can't remember his name now but I think the Tories staying with that guy, but has cut Burrell out basically.
3: Yeah, but the original piece, uh, we should name check him, Jack Keane broke it in the sun, I think about twelve days ago, and it read like it was news to barrel when this came through. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I think we we, we, look, we never know the ins and outs of the situation, but yeah. Well, I just want to name Jack, Jack there because he did. Break.
0: Yeah, fair enough, and you're and you're right. I shouldn't just casually call it, call it a, slack, a sacking, but um, it didn't read like it was maybe something that Pete um, yeah. necessarily wanted to happen. But all in all, Brendan, what I'm trying to get to is a lot of people in the Tories' world right now. Is this just? Because he's retiring and he's planning for the future or does it read a little bit more suspect than that to you? Well, it
2: didn't, I have to say. The only thing I'd have to ask you about, everything else makes sense to me, is the, the, the Burrell situation. You know the way Frankie was on a question of sport or what have you, and I know Burrell looks after Biddy man. Would would he be able to look after Frankie and say, you know, the wider sporting world and maybe more lifestyle media, or would he just say there's someone who can do a better job for you here? Is it could, could yeah? That well, happen? I think
0: I think that is probably that the the, uh, the guy I was talking about before is Harold Kruger. Um, and Harold Kruger would have, you know, is not a racing PR or agent man. He's a much bigger celebrity type agent man. And so it would make sense to move away from racing specific, which I think Pete Burrell, you know, that was what he's heavily involved in. I think okay. that would make sense. Uh, but it's just, I suppose it's the timing of it maybe middle of the season. Yeah, it makes sense at the end of the season to say, thanks Pete Burrell for everything in my riding career. But we're moving on to a little uh, yeah. just, uh I don't know. Po-
2: possibly, possibly maybe. Maybe Frankie just likes to get his, his his ducks in a row. Maybe he doesn't like clutter. You know, he knows he's going to retire. So he's getting the gaff on the market. We'll have this rented out Well, have you. He doesn't like clutter. He's got all these trophies around the place there. Some people, I mean, as we've seen by the demand for, for those trophies, some people uh, lo- love all this stuff. But for others, nostalgia ain't what it used to be, Vanessa. And I expect, I expect the Tory is a man who lives in the moment. So he's getting rid of all the silverware. He's downsizing to London. He's going to try and make a splash in the celebrity world, as as you mentioned. I don't think it's anything more serious than that, is my theory. No. All right. There I we just, go. I just thought,
0: Am I, I just stirring the pot, TC?
3: No, I, no I, I've i long thought about it And I just thought, I've mentioned this on Twitter. I mean, I, I didn't go overboard there either. But I just thought it was, the way this has played out, you know, about, you know, Getting the racing post to publicise the online auctions and, and things like that, and and I do know some of there's a charity angle because one of the articles said that some of these some of the proceeds are going to go to Defra Barney Curley's old charity,
0: correct? Yeah,
3: things like. That. But the way it's been played out, I mean, to me, and I'm not suggesting this for a moment, to me, and I I know for a fact that it isn't the case. But the way it all panned out, anybody else doing that in the same situation, I'd say, he's skinned. I I really would say that. I mean I know it's his farewell tour and stuff like that. And obviously, if he was skint, he could carry on riding for the next two or three years and accumulate a vast amount of more wealth. But I just thought the way it's played out in the media and the manner it is done and you know the departure with Burrell. Um I just it's it just seems very odd to me. Just it just seems too public, if that's if that's the right phrase. Um I'm sure there's nothing to it, but I just thought. No, everyone seems to be going along with it and, you know, publicising what he's doing next and the and the like and not really asking questions about, you know, why he is retiring, et cetera. But yeah, I just thought it was worth raising.
0: Yeah, I think I think so as well. I mean, I i I'm, I think I'm probably siding with TC rather than Brendan's more sort of straightforward view of it. But maybe time will tell, I am sure. With all things Frankie Dettori, let's roll on. Just one more topic to discuss, and that is everyone's favourite topic, and it's back for a third year. Here we go. This is it. The Racing League is set to return. It'll kick off on Thursday at Yarmouth, the big racing team competition, piling more money into it. And obviously, with the start of it kicking off this week on Thursday, it would be on our list of topics but also quite alarming uh lee motorshead has written a piece and is it i think it is today's racing post in regards to the fact that you know the concept works but essentially it needs to do better because was it just over seven thousand people went to the racing league across all the meetings last year which is a pretty terrifyingly low number there's no getting away from that We on Sky Sports Racing are giving it the big hype. ITV Racing cover it as well. So it's on dual platforms. It's getting all the TV coverage. Plenty of people in the industry getting behind it. And none more so than our very own Kevin Blake. Kevin, I was just going to throw to you by saying basically defend the Racing League again. Once again, because we've been here before.
1: No interest in defending it, Vanessa. It's going to be on you. You don't have to watch it. Um, It's seven races Um, of what, what should be full fields, 25 grand minimum prize money, couple of 50 granders, 100 grand handicap, great betting races. Um, You don't have to like the team concept. I enjoy it. I'm involved in it. Um, I find it very engaging. Plenty won't. That's fine. But um, at, at its base level, this is really competitive racing in a nice slot for the, the stay-at-home punter. It's on... Um, multiple TV stations um you know the attendances are what they are and um, when it's on TV everywhere people will be less inclined to go there on a Thursday evening I'm sure um I've never and I've been to plenty of them obviously I've never come away going thinking to myself geez that was that was pretty sparse um I think the people that do turn up um engage with it you tend to get an awful lot of owners there so if you're down uh, in that section of it like it always it always feels very buzzy and good fun to me but um, there they are. The numbers are what they are. They look pretty small. Um, they were a surprise to me. But um, yeah, on we go. got to be making my first visit to Yarmouth on Thursday. Never been there before. i'm um, looking oh, forward to that. Enjoy
0: it. Take a coat though, whatever the weather forecast is. Take a coat. That might a long way.
1: Jesus, ne- nearly in fucking Belgium by the time because you get to I, Yarmouth. Hmm. Jesus.
0: The first time I went to Yarmouth, I didn't realize you could drive that far east and not be in France. <laughs> Like, I just had no con- concept of that. I was expecting- Yeah, look,
1: and, and, and Vanessa, I know you're a big fan of Team Ireland. I think this might be the strongest team that Team Ireland has ever had, which, which it clearly needed, given it's uh, been yeah. absolutely horrific for the last yeah. um, the last couple of years. But we, we've we've got some big recruits. We've got some big signings. Uh We mm-hmm. have we have one George O. Bowie mentioned earlier, <laughs> um, well-known for his Irish roots. He's <laughs> on the team. He's going to have happen? some... He's he's as Irish as bacon and cabbage, Vanessa. People just don't know it. Um, so he's on the team. Um, Amy Murphy is going to have going to have runners um, on Thursday. Richard Spencer um, and Charles Burns is going to be going over. I strongly suspect with a couple of runners on Thursday. So yeah, looking forward to that. do win. win. Look
0: at this that. do win. Group. I tell you what, just from a TV point of view, right, and tying in the um, the actual figures in terms of ticket sales that as i say was reported in the post today i worked on the racing league for sky last year and my role right was this like a roving reporter type role which is essentially to try and go pick up the atmosphere from around the course with punters etc like i interviewed everyone from bookmakers race goers young people old people ice cream sellers just trying to get the feel of the place across but there's no getting away from the fact that that doesn't really work if there's not enough people through the gates right and so from a tv point of view i really see it as an opportunity to go into sort of deeper dives in terms of the racing in terms of the betting in terms of the actual horses jockeys trainers etc because it's not really it's turning out to not really be about punters but it's got this tv platform on itv and sky and you should make use of that. You should do something with that rather than it just be like a, I just sometimes feel like the TV push is basically everyone, tell everyone how much fun we're having and what a great atmosphere it is. And then cut race out, like game over. I just feel like there's more of an opportunity there. We've got a huge platform.
3: But maybe- I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Brendan come in on this, but I mean, the figures are, go and, watch, go and read Lee's piece. The figures are absolutely shocking. Um, the, the team of a, a fly going around here. I'm going to get The them team, the team concept just doesn't work. People who are used to seeing horses uh, in their normal colours want to see that and not not the team colours. Um, the actual the actual racing product itself and the prize money is great, but when you've got less than a thousand people turn out to Newcastle and when you've got an average ITV4 crowd on. Uh, of eighty eight thousand, I think um, it, it's 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 not working in that regard, isn't it? But I mean, as as we spoke about before, and Brendan will come to Thursday nights with UK punters and UK racegoers is, is a very hard sell. Well,
0: mm. Brendan, are you into it? Are you into the racing league?
2: No, no, no not particularly. Uh, I, I I don't watch it, but I, I would just say in, in terms of what Lee's piece. Well, he was saying that he was talking about a guy who said, oh, we're going to engage the fans. And he criticizes about that. But it has always seemed to me like a made for TV product. I was never yeah. relying on people to show up um, because Tony has mentioned on the show before Brigadier Gerard, the best evening racing in, in the UK. And the fans don't show up to that. There's something about evenings on Sundays that the UK racegoers don't dig on. Uh, compared to say their Irish counterparts so I always thought it was a made for TV product so in fairness to Lee he did say uh, between a third and a quarter of the, the audience you would get on a Saturday and I would have expected more people at that time on the evening when they've come, come home from work so it has been disappointing from that point of view I don't know if, if you have to uh, tweak the format or what what exactly has to be done but I, w- I would have hoped for a high, higher viewing figures definitely Yeah, Um, I have to
1: just from, from, I suppose, from an ups and bolts point of view, I think they've made some good changes to the racing program. Um, They've brought in some lower band handicaps, which I think is a good thing to do, like 80, not to 85 for 25 grand. Like, you know, I think they're going to be fiercely competitive um, because, you know, you don't get to run for that type of money generally with a horse rated, um, you know, 70 potentially um so I, I think they will be um if you can if you can tolerate the colors which i i don't really get that myself you know ultimately you might be used to seeing a horse in a certain set of colors but in a race you look at the race card, you see what colors they're wearing and that's it that's the one you're following um but look i think but it's uh i think it's, it's going like to be, nobody
0: nobody's gonna watch or come through the gates more because there's a 0 to 85 instead of a 0 to 90 or not to
1: yeah but i'm not talking like but to me i'd be i'd be like brendan i don't really i think crowd numbers is the wrong measure to look at this, which, you know, I think it's a TV product, betting product. Um, If, no, if people, turn, and, well, that's if that's people turn up fantastic, you know.
0: That's the point I'm trying to make. It is a TV product and a betting product, but I just feel like there could be more done with that, essentially. One thing I do know for sure is that Brendan would be a big fan of the Racing League if the boy Cobden was riding in it. That would change oh. your mind altogether, wouldn't it? That would sway it, it,
2: you. possibly I am enthralled to the uncle no doubt about that
0: (laughs) you'd definitely be tuning in on Thursday night anyway look guys that about wraps up the show thank you to your contributions as always boys and viewers listeners out there Thanks for joining us. Join us again on Thursday, where we we will be recording Racing Any Better ahead of the weekend. The King George meeting at Ascot, of course, the big race to look forward to. So we'll have loads to get stuck into. But for now, have a good week. That was Wade it.